0: Hello, I'm Katie Piper, and welcome to my podcast, Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Each episode, I'll meet an amazing person with an incredible story who faced adversity and came through the other side to inspire others. Today, I'm talking to George Shelley, a presenter, actor, and musician who's best known for being in the X Factor band, Union J. George is an incredible young man. He's faced many battles and had lots of achievements and success. He's gone on to be amazingly open about struggling with his sexuality, with mental health issues and with grief after the tragic death of his sister in 2017. There's so much to talk about. Um, There's some really obvious things to talk about. Mm -hmm. There's some things that people might not know about you uh, that we should talk about. Um, But let's start at the beginning because initially you were kind of propelled into the spotlight Mm -hmm. through X Factor. so for some people particularly the younger people that are listening that's some people's dream come Mm -hmm. true Mm
1: -hmm. it was mine like for a long time I used to love X Factor when I was younger and it wasn't just like the music side of it it was the whole the whole show of what X Factor used to be and it changed a lot over the years and it's like evolved and it's a very different show now to what it used to be but
0: what year were you? Uh,
1: 2012
0: Oh, okay. So it was a while ago. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I was just at uni studying graphic design and um, my best friend Emily, she was just like, why do not you audition for X Factor? Because I would just play in my, in my bedroom with my guitar after doing all of our like revision and all of our coursework. So Emily put me forward for it. And um, honestly, I didn't, I didn't expect that it to happen mm-hmm. and for it to go the way it went. Did you win? Yeah. No, we came fourth. You came fourth. but You became massive. Fourth. Yeah, I mean, we had two studio albums. We went to America to do the second one. Wow. We did a tour. We toured with the Vamps. Like, to be honest with you, I didn't really have very... I wasn't very sociable when I was at college or mm-hmm. when I was at school. Um, I was quite overweight when I was younger. Didn't right. hit puberty till, like, very late. So I was a squirt at school and, like... Picked on a little bit, but not like heavily bullied, but it was like a big issue for me, the fact that I was smaller than everyone. And
0: So were had, you shy or yeah, just like an introvert? And
1: all of my friends were girls. Like every lunchtime, we'd go and sit in the art room and do our art coursework. And Creative, Yeah, literally, yeah. that's all yeah. I like doing. Like football, sports, games, nothing like that really interested me at that point. So it was to just, go
0: from that, like yeah. a shy introvert boy, and, mm. and for anyone that doesn't understand the X a process, Overnight, you are massive. It's you know? crazy.
1: We stayed in the Corinthia Hotel um, that year and they gave us like a whole floor. Jealous. It was so good, honestly. <laughs> it was great, but they had to kick Rylan out because oh my he was, God, like, he was streaking up and down naked outside or something. I don't know. I, won't go I think that. I would streak naked if <laughs> yeah, I got right? to go
0: in the spa in the Corinthia.
1: <laughs> it was so good. But like I remember we went in there and it was all top secret because they hadn't aired the Judges' Houses episode. Okay. So the night it aired, we were already in the hotel. So nobody knew that Uni and Jay were even a thing because oh I was gosh. added extra. Right. And um, we watched the episode. We got through and went downstairs Stairs, and the minute we walked outside, there was just like this sea of screaming people, and it was How like did that feel? What? crazy. <laughs> it like, still not makes real. me shake. Now, the only way I can describe it is if, like, you know, when you get off the plane in a hot country and yes. it hits you, right? It's like that, but that's like with sound yeah. uh-huh. and vibrations because of all those people going, ah! Imagine that, like the energy that's yeah. coming out of them. It's like. Well, this is a lot to deal with.
0: Exciting, yeah. but slightly overwhelming. Yeah,
1: and that was life for seven years while I was in the
0: band. So you were what, 18? Yeah, just. Just, just so just, young, yeah, so just. young to be thrown into that. Yeah. But so grateful because mm. it was your ambition mm-hmm. and your dream.
1: Yeah, it was crazy.
0: When did it stop being your dream come true?
1: Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, do you know what? It's still my dream. If okay. I'm honest with you I love, like music is my is my passion it's my life and it's what drives me and mm-hmm. it always has
0: so here you are living this dream mm-hmm. um and there was a point in the band when you did decide to leave mm-hmm. so and I don't want to put words in your mouth does that mean that it stopped becoming fun like did, what was your experience of being in the band i think
1: every single band that goes through this process uh, it's a journey that you you go on and you have to kind of keep your eyes open and it just It got to a point with me, in the jungle especially, where I was...
0: What year was it that you went in, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here?
1: twenty fifteen, so I've been in the band. Still in the band. Three, four years. Yeah. yeah. We'd done two albums. It got to a point where the last album didn't sell as much as we needed it to. So Uh the record label dropped us. And we had That's tough. Yeah. And it was literally just after the jungle as well.
0: And you were popular in the jungle. We loved you in the jungle. (laughs) You You came across as authentically you. I cried a lot. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that's why we did love you, because you were real and you. you know. For people to like you as you is a nice, is a good feeling, Thank isn't you.
1: it? Yeah, I look back at it and I kind of just think the reasons I was crying was because I didn't know what was going out in the real world. I was hiding my sexuality while I was in there. I was right. out. People knew I was gay. Um, so you
0: you knew as well. I knew. Right? Yeah. At okay. this point,
1: I knew what was going on with the band situation. I knew that I was having these feelings and I was going out and I was making out with guys on nights out. And I was worried that people were going to see and sell it to the papers, blah, 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 blah.
0: That must have been a real tough um, paranoia. It
1: was. And this is it. It's paranoia, anxiety. All of these things mixed together caused depression. And I didn't even realize it was going on at that time. Uh But that was my jungle experience. I was suffering with depression in there and I didn't even know it at that point. Yeah, didn't know what anxiety was and I was just dealing with it all day to day.
0: Did you feel a pressure before The Jungle when you were in the band? Did you feel a pressure to act straight? Yeah. Was it like somebody had actually physically said that to you or was it just you just felt the vibe?
1: But um, the first instant when I joined Triple J, they were called Triple J before. Right. um, The manager at the time called me and he was like, just before you make this decision, I need to let you know something. And I was like, "What?" And he goes, there's a gay member in the band. And I was like, what? You just need to let me know. <laughs> yeah, this is so like, weird. What do you yeah. mean? He's like, well, he didn't make it a problem, but it needed to be said. And I was just like, yeah, not a problem.
0: Well, as in he he's telling you, as in don't you dare tell anyone else? Or? Not,
1: not even that, because Jamie was openly gay. It was more like, are you comfortable with this?
0: I find that so dark yeah. ages. Yeah, <laughs> That's so right. So weird, isn't right? it? And, yeah. and
1: Jamie was he wasn't out in the first instance but then during a couple of weeks like into it he came out mm. and everyone was like yeah okay we knew and it was that sort of situation yeah so when jamie as came it out, should be yeah yeah and perfect he taught me what it was like i I never really met an openly gay person did before. you
0: confide in him then, mm-hmm, then. yeah time. that's and good and i
1: opened up to him and he became um really close friends with me during the band period so what it was for me it was like four members of the band if two of them are gay what, what does that mean for the band? And then during meetings, words like union and gay were being said. Like, you don't want half of the members to be gay because union and gay. And it's like...
0: Why, though? That's really crazy. Mm. Did you start to get paranoid that people higher up sort of knew?
1: Yeah, I got paranoid as soon as people knew because then it was kind of... Had to go through every single action and thought and thing that I said. Some, yeah. Is this is this going to make me look gay? Am I going to come across gay? Because,
0: Which, what does that even mean? You know, know, what does a I gay know, person look like, like or say? It, you know, it's, it's just like
1: it feels wrong to say.
0: Yeah. Did you think there was a fear? This might sound a bit over the top, but like, if I come out as gay, girls won't buy our records, and I'll scupper the band's chances of success. Yeah. Which I don't think is true because I remember being young and having yeah. crushes on people who yeah. were outwardly gay. Yeah. And it didn't stop me from being a young teenager who fancied them.
1: It's amazing, isn't it? And yeah. that's just a different mindset that, that people have. Like, you're talking to people, big bosses of record companies who are set in the Stone Age when mm-hmm. it comes to selling music. And I just came, I just went into the jungle and spent a lot of time by myself. Right. Just processing what happened with the band because you do you sit around fire all day and you're just looking into it thinking what's That's going on was probably quite cathartic was so it so cathartic yeah yeah it's it was like first... being a
0: kind of retreat almost mm-hmm. like
1: completely and it was like x factor to the jungle those few years were just non-stop hectic craziness
0: yeah
1: um it was my first like slam the brakes on stop
0: yeah how nice yeah so when you came out of the jungle was that when you came out about your sexuality yeah so yeah. i came out
1: of the jungle and there was loads of Rumours circulating um, about me being gay. There's some things being tweeted to me. And all it takes is one picture of you kissing someone in a club and then it's out and everybody yeah. knows.
0: Which is crazy because yeah. you kissing somebody in a club is not illegal. No. It's not violent. It's not hurting anybody at all. Mm. And actually, it's a really nice act of love and affection. Exactly. And there you are. But like when everybody's looking it, at like... you
1: going, is he gay? And yeah. they're waiting for that moment. And they're waiting for the tiniest thing to try and trip you up on because they see you happy and successful and if you're hiding something they don't like I want to be honest as well that's the thing and at that mm. time I was still working it all out and
0: yeah like you need a bit of space here yeah, to right? even confirm it yourself and, and understand exactly. your and right I guess feelings exactly and-
1: when photos like that come out people instantly saying he's not being honest yeah and why, why is he hiding it he should be telling us
0: but the pressure is unfair. Of like, okay, maybe you were wrestling with these feelings, but hang on a minute, guys. Let me figure it out first, and mm. then I'll let you know. Exactly. You know, and it's almost like that. You know, we don't like to think of anybody being pushed into something or emotionally mm. blackmailed, and it mm. kind of feels like you know there was an egg timer and mm. it was like you need to come mm-hmm. out about this now. And- exactly,
1: and it was the band, the band situation. I didn't want to be in in that energy, and I had to work it out. So as soon as I came out of the jungle, I left the band because Mm -hmm. it was just something I needed to do for my own mental health as well because...
0: You're 21 at this point? I
1: was 22.
0: 23, maybe. 20, okay.
1: 22, maybe. So
0: you've been in the band a long time.
1: Yeah, it was, and it was a really good run. We had such a good time, and I loved those boys. We had, like, I share the most amazing memories. I go through my photo albums all the time, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I can't believe that this i Can't believe happen. that's my <laughs> yeah. life, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And I, I wouldn't change it for the world, and we're still friends. I spoke to JJ yesterday, and like, you know, yeah. animosity.
0: Um, So I love the way that you did come out, because... Again, talking about social media, you used it in such a positive way to come out on YouTube on your own terms, Mm -hmm. on your own ground. Mm -hmm. Nobody could edit you or misquote you. Mm -hmm. You did a video, right?
1: Yeah, and I did it in my best friend's mum's bedroom. Brilliant, though. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, literally. I went in, I was like, can I borrow your laptop? I need to do something. I sat down, one take, just said what I needed to say. And the important thing for me at that time was that I didn't label it with gay or bi or straight or anything. And I just said, look, here's the cards on the table. This is who I am. And Mm -hmm. I've had to maybe not be so honest about it in the past because I've been a bit scared and a bit yeah. fearful of what the reaction might be. Yeah. And with my situation in the band I didn't it was just confusing. So what happened after that? Everybody, everybody labelled it. It was all of the press, all, oh, of really? the, all of the headlines around it was George comes out as gay. George comes out as bi. Nobody got it right, and nobody actually listened to the message. Typical. Only a few people did. And I got support from like Clean Bandit at the time because they were, there was a gay member in the band who was just like, "This is wrong. You're not listening to what he's saying." Yeah. So, yeah, I loved, I loved the reaction it got in the end, and like, it was very. It's just just a massive weight lifted off my shoulders.
0: I mean, you said in the video about like you didn't like you say you didn't put a label on it, and you kind of said in the past you'd been attracted to girls and guys, and that's kind of where you're at. Mm-hmm. Is that the case now, or have you kind of moved forward? Yeah, in-
1: I think it was a point in my life where I was still working out still, but I knew that I was having these feelings, mm-hmm. and what that did it was a stepping stone for me, and it, it it enabled me to fully embrace the other side of me, the real side, and like. Um, explore it more, and I think since then I've just... I'm more comfortable with my sexuality, not saying that I would never fall in love with a girl because that would be outrageous because i fall in love with people so easily.
0: Uh Well, we're talking more and more about this, so people are not necessarily identifying with Mm. gender or Mm. sexuality because for many people just love is love. Exactly, exactly.
1: And I couldn't put a label on it and put myself in a box like that because I just don't... I think that would be disgenuous. Yeah. So I just... I just love. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. I just, well, that's great. I we need more people, people in the world like I that. Think, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's we shouldn't be categorizing ourselves and putting ourselves um, and limiting ourselves as well. We just need to be able to learn and appreciate beauty and appreciate yeah. people, and that's all it well, is.
0: I mean, I I would say I you know hundred percent know that I love my husband and I'm straight, mm-hmm. and we've got children together. But if he passed away you know, earlier than I expected, and then I seeked company and companionship with a woman who cared about me and my children and we had a great home set up, I wouldn't write off doing that. Do you know what I mean?
1: Literally, I had this conversation with my dad not long ago. Yeah. So my dad um, had a motorbike accident a couple of years ago just before my sister passed away. And he's paralysed his um, left arm fully. And he's got brain damage from it.
0: My God, your Um, family have been through so much. Yeah,
1: he lost his job. He was a barrister. And wow, he lost okay. his, his marriage. and so his
0: identity changed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And he's looking after my brothers, and they're all really young. There's a four-year-old, six-year-old, ten-year-old, oh and, okay. and a 15-year-old. And my dad said to me, like, George, like I'm, I wouldn't class myself as gay, but if I was to find a man now who yeah. was perfect company and who I loved and fell mm-hmm. in love with and was, was, um, who just enjoyed spending time with, there's no reason that I wouldn't settle down and be with him.
0: Yeah, you exactly. Know? It doesn't mean
1: that I'm gay or I want a sexual relationship, but mm-hmm. like what does it mean to be a family? Mm-hmm. Um, why wouldn't I accept some love from yeah. anyone? And if I love them back, you know, that's, it's human. And yeah. and it's like, wow, dad.
0: I mean, that's so, and, that and for so that generation, yeah. to be able to sit down and have that conversation with yeah. you is so progressive. Yeah. It's such a big thing. One of the things I loved was you on the cover of Gay Times. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I loved it for so, Thank I mean, it was a wicked shoot. That was and so cool, I loved cool it. Such cool styling, you know, you looked so edgy. Yeah. Um, aspirational and unapologetically you. you. And I feel like that's so important. Mm -hmm. And to go from where you did with these feelings of... And, and again, I don't want to put words to your mouth. Maybe shame mm-hmm. or paranoia. Mm-hmm. To being like, this is me on quite a big deal magazine. It was like this so is cool. quite cool. And, like, Ian McKellen like, interviewed
1: me for the yeah, interview. Yeah, like, like, that's was
0: goals. <laughs> awesome.
1: And honestly, I've never done a shoot before where I felt more comfortable and the sass wow, came out. I was just like so working. Cool. I loved it. And
0: they're the best photos because you're so comfy. And you know, know what? I
1: look at them and I'm like, that's me. Like mm-hmm. the cover. That's the person that I want to be. That's I was able to have a bit of creativity and like, artistic direction with it as well. Yeah. So. If I was a bit confused as to who I was and my positioning and who I want to be in the future, like, that was the clearest me that I've seen. I mean, like, I've not been out for a very long time. I've not been involved in the community as mm-hmm. much as I would like to be or want to be in the future because I've just been away from it. I've I've hidden from it because of my, of my own fears. Mm-hmm. And do you I feel
0: want, accepted by the community?
1: I do. I feel like they're so accepting to anything and, like, I'm... Yeah. I want to learn more about it, you know. My well,
0: hair and makeup team, who are from the community, yeah. were very excited were that I was meeting you. I, um, I almost <laughs> I've, two people. I've got, <laughs> so sweet.
1: I've got so much to learn still. If I'm yeah. honest with you about the community and what, mm-hmm. how I can use my voice and my experiences to to help other people who may have been in a similar position to me, because Katie, I honestly believe if I hadn't have moved out of Clevedon, of Bristol, mm-hmm. my hometown. I never would be comfortable with who I am because of mm-hmm. my situation that I was living in that I grew up in. Yeah. The the people around me at that time. Yeah. I never would have been able to see the big world and the bigger and picture of life. Yeah. And coming to London and being in the band with Jamie and, you know, going to gay clubs and opening my eyes to what was actually out there in life and, you know, I shouldn't be ashamed of it. And mm-hmm. like it's so warm and great and everybody's lovely like I can't It's so
0: interesting you say that because this is going to sound like a bit of a weird thing to say Yeah, but I feel less burnt and scarred in London. So if I walk around like Central, just shopping or whatever, I feel like nobody really cares because they're really busy. Mm. And you could see somebody with all all different features, Mm. face, style, fashion, all the time in London. If I go somewhere smaller, more regional, Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone stares at me. Yeah, you feel like everyone's looking. at Yeah. And it's it's just like, that might be more my my own issues. I might be wrong. But I don't know. It just feels like London is so varied and eclectic. It could be like a
1: pace thing as well. London's so fast paced. Everyone's getting about their daily life and doing their own thing. And when you go home, it's like everyone's slower paced and I think people do look up more. But London is, um, I'm thankful for London and I'm thankful for the experience. I'm thankful for being so accepted. And it's not about being accepted or needing to be accepted. I've kind of, that's gone out of me. I don't feel the need to be accepted. I'm just comfortable with who I am and if I'm acceptable, if I'm not, then that's fine. And I think that's how everybody should kind of, Go about their life.
0: So I wanted to ask you a question, right? Mm. And I don't want to diminish what you went through because I understand your struggle. I understand the struggle of identity Mm -hmm. and, and struggling with who you are. Do you think that we build stuff up in our heads?
1: 100%. Everybody has voices in their heads. It's yeah. your thoughts, your everything. intrusive thoughts. Exactly, yeah. intrusive thoughts. It's the opinions and other people's ways of thinking that you've been conditioned to believe who you are. You're like, not good enough. Yeah, and- exactly. Things that you've heard from people and they stick and they repeat. And it's like negative chatter. Uh-huh. And it becomes, they start to define who you are and how you feel about yourself and who you then portray yourself to the world to be. Uh-huh. So if you listen to those, those negative voices, they can control you. And there was a very long time that I listened to those. Even through, like, filming the documentary, like, you shouldn't be doing this, you know. It's wrong, this isn't... This. Yeah, yeah, it's like that
0: inner critic always shaming mm-hmm. you. Exactly. Like, yeah. There was a really beautiful, like, three-minute clip of you okay. and your dad on the patio. Mm-hmm. And you obviously sort of talking about coming out and your dad, your gorgeous dad was just like, I actually, he's going to love, he said that. (laughs) He's so cool in his leather jacket. (laughs) And he literally, I put, I wrote it down word for word. He said, I promise you it's cool.
1: Yeah, and I, was just like, <laughs> I promise dad. you, it's cool. He does yeah. that. Dad's very like calming. He just yeah. puts everything into perspective. Matter of fact. Exactly. So, if ever I um have those negative voices and I've got that chatter and that it holds you back big time. Yeah. Whenever I speak to dad, he just puts everything into perspective for me, and he, he's very calming. And it's all just like, you know what if you strip all of this back, this is who you are Uh and this is what you can do and and this is who the people are around you. Yeah. You've got the love, you've got the support, just focus on that because it's so easy that, it's so easy to dwell on the negatives and everything else that's going on and especially within the situation I'm in at the moment, everybody's dealing with grief in a very different way. Uh Uh-huh. So... It's, it's easy, it easily knocks you off track mm. as well.
0: Because I remember in my life, um, when I first started to get back out there after mm. I was attacked, I used to think, I'll never have a boyfriend again. And similarly to you, there were people that it was a problem for. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you had negative reactions when you came out. You know, not all of it's positive. And there were people that didn't fancy me or sem- trolled me, whatever. But when I went... like that. It's yeah, disgusting. It's just life. <laughs> and, like... I went on a date with my husband, first date, and I was like, oh, I sat opposite him in like Prezzo, yeah. and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, so I am, um, I am burnt, and he's like, yeah. I, I know I have sat opposite you right. <laughs> and I do read the paper yeah. and I was like and it was a big like coming out moment for mm-hmm. me and he was a bit like well I, I know that yeah. and that's fine yeah. and, and you I was felt,
1: like you felt like you had to say it I was that's like, like shit
0: I've been overthinking <laughs> this exactly. for nine years exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> <God>. <laughs> bugger
1: <laughs> it's all in but, your head and it's like you, yeah. you have to just believe in your, your beauty of your soul and who you are as well because yeah. like, that shines far more brightly than anything exactly because he was like of
0: course you are I know yeah. who you are and exactly like when you came out as gay some people yeah. would been like, of course you are. We know you are. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> like, it's like obvious. Well, what am I going to talk about now? But all
1: of those, all of those fears and the paranoia, like these paranoias cause anxieties, and you can like, I'm sure you had it where you just didn't want to leave the house, for, yeah, for months. Bad agoraphobia. Really, yeah. really bad. Like, yeah. like, what was it like for you at that point?
0: Well, it was just like paranoid thoughts, and I suppose it is overthinking of because something awful had happened. Mm. The the pattern of if I do anything with mm-hmm. a, any tiny element of risk, something will happen. Mm-hmm. I'll die. Someone else will die. Mm-hmm. Uh, something will be my fault. Something mm-hmm. catastrophic will happen. And mm-hmm. it was
1: catastrophizing. That's another yeah. thing that I've yeah. been like very susceptible to throughout my whole life. Very sort of like dramatic, reactive. Family in, in in love and uh-huh. hate and all things like.
0: But this is why I wanted you on the podcast, because lots of the fears you had were hard to struggle with. And you know, we've talked a lot about this coming out and the band, mm-hmm. but this isn't the end of the podcast. Something else huge, mm-hmm. which you have briefly touched on, happened to you and your family. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, we lost um we lost my sister Harriet in mm-hmm. two thousand seventeen. Um and it's been two years this year, so Do you know what, like the first year of it, the agoraphobia, the like negative voices, all of that just came on and it was crazy. Like I I had my sister moving to London Mm -hmm. with me. She was moving into my apartment. I'd like got her room sorted. She was
0: training to be a midwife. Yeah, training to be
1: a midwife. She was coming up to Middlesex University to study. And um, yeah, it happened and it completely changed my plans for the year. Mm -hmm. And Harriet obviously like...
0: You come out of the jungle...
1: Yeah, I was just doing, all these Cap- opportunities. I, was doing Cap- I was doing Capital Breakfast. That was it. Capital Massive Breakfast gig. With Dave, and Ly- Dave Berry and Lila Parsons, which was great. Life was amazing. And me and Harriet had such a special bond. We were like twins growing up. And the period that I was in the band and on Capital, like, we didn't spend as much time together as we used to and we wanted to. She'd be up with me all the time, but mm. she was doing uni. So we were really looking forward to this new start of living together and getting on with life and being adults together and mm-hmm. trying it as like
0: yeah. grown ups you know yeah yeah
1: um so that completely it just it blew it blew life out of the water for me yeah like it was
0: well look it's the kind of thing pre this happening yeah. it's what you see on the news that happens to strangers or you see it in films mm. you read it in a novel you know you don't ever ever in your wildest dreams yeah. think this would happen to your family. No. Yeah. So when it does, I feel like it's. We talk about grieving. I think it's so delayed because the mm-hmm. acceptance of that it's really happened to you in its real life is tough.
1: It is delayed, and you turn to things like escapism so quickly. That's the first thing I, was, I did when I um, uh-huh. when I got back to London and tried like living again. I was like, okay, let's go out. Let's go out. Let's try and forget about all of this. I went yeah. to like. I went to Italy with my my I my cousins and my my boyfriend at the time and I shouldn't have done it because I went into like breakdown mode. So you
0: tried to be busy. And yeah, I tried, tried to, to be
1: busy and we yeah. were just like going out all the time and drinking lots I and finding too, finding yeah. escapism in partying and mm-hmm. going to festivals and that was the worst decision I made at that time because yeah. you go into that you have to it's a choice again you have to write a good choice and the bad choice and the bad choice seems easier at the time but listen and
0: you're, you've got an added pressure you don't have privacy yeah exactly you know you can't go out and be a total wanker drunk at festivals because yeah. people will put that in the sun mm. you know it's like another layer mm-hmm. of abnormal grieving and process. you're worried
1: because obviously we, what people assume grieving should be like, like Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be out having fun at points and then you're like, you you shouldn't be sad, you should be trying to get on and be happy. It's like there's two ends of the spectrum and Mm -hmm. you fly between the two so quickly.
0: Did did you, like, addiction's quite a strong word, but did you struggle with like dependency on drink or drugs? It was,
1: yeah, it's that whole shutting off your mind to what's going on in the outside world, but what happens then is you don't process it properly and it builds up and builds up and builds up so that when you actually do come back to real life, you're like... Whoa, this is too much to deal with. I can't handle this. Like, help, help, help. So that was that was what happened, basically. The first six months was escapism, bad choices. Uh-huh. And then I, I ended my relationship. Uh-huh. I sorted out everything in my life, put things back in order, had a huge cleanse.
0: Six months, though. That's not long. Yeah,
1: well, it was just the... Um, I realised what I was doing quite quickly. I had uh-huh. an amazing therapist that I was seeing I was talking to, through okay. things with.
0: that's really positive. I mean, okay. I don't want to
1: go out there and saying I was just, like, a wreckhead the whole time. But I was but I don't think it's a wreck I think it's
0: like so I had a problem with alcohol Mm -hmm. after um, going through what happened to me and it would be like uh, really positive stuff was happening publicly in my career Mm -hmm. but privately it was awful and I was really lonely and angry Mm -hmm. and so say like I don't know I wrote a book and it got to number one the yeah. publishing company would send me like champagne to my house and you're like oh. I would drink it alone yeah. on a Monday night and then yeah. I'd drink like other stuff I had that like, was someone's birthday present and I was yeah. keep it unwrap it all yeah. drink it wake up miss a really important job yeah, yeah, yeah. lie yeah. sad food poisoning <laughs> yeah. it was destructive behaviour because of anger it's,
1: exactly that's exactly what it is it's and destructive it, behaviour it wasn't
0: addiction it was like self-medicating because mm-hmm. I just couldn't deal with what was going yeah. on and yeah. I felt like because I'm in the public eye I can't tell anyone yeah. so I had to keep it private and suppress it all. Exactly. And, you know, also you can drink because it's not like drugs for people, it's so acceptable in this country to drink. Yeah. People just think you're a laugh. Uh-huh, exactly. You know?
1: Like I can't I can't describe to you the panic attacks I was having. Uh-huh. And the my therapist was like, you know, the thing to help this would be like stuff like Xanax and other tablets. Okay. And I'm already on so anti anxiety Anti anxieties. Right. Um I was on, already on antidepressants and other things, so I didn't want to mix it all up as anyway, so uh-huh. I turned to that. For a long time, and it got to a point where I was just shutting it all off, um, closing the blinds, like living inside that. I just mm-hmm. needed to stop it oh, all and, and realize what what it what road that takes you down. And mm. that... see,
0: part of me thinks like that whole process of like living in your lounge yeah. with the blinds shut. Yeah. I feel like you have to do that. I don't feel like you can go from like, oh, well, I saw a cancer, had antidepressants, and just got carried on, and it was a bit difficult. But yeah, I think yeah. you have to hit rock bottom. Hundred percent.
1: You spend a lot of time on your own thinking and like processing stuff, but it can be very dangerous because you you become isolated and you might never from come your out. Exactly, yeah. and that was what it was like for me. I didn't speak to a lot of my friends for a very long time mm-hmm. because one, I didn't know how to converse anymore. I yeah. didn't know what it meant to communicate. Because and people I've... always
0: say, right? When people interview me, they're like, "Yeah, you find out who your real friends are, don't you?" I'm like, "No, I pushed them away. Mm-hmm. I, I I was uncommunicate. Mm-hmm. You couldn't communicate, which well, changes
1: you. Like from you know, from my whole period of being in London, I've always been like." I've loved going out. I've loved my friends. They've been... Have you
0: suffered fake friends because of fame?
1: Oh, I don't... I've very... I've always been very careful about who I let into my life and love, like that, closely. Because your best friend, Emily, was pre she is, like, gold. Yeah, she's pre-X Factor. She's my college mate. And everybody else, you know, I've got... All of my friends I've built up relationships with over those years, and they're still my friends. Yeah. But they found it difficult, and I've got to give them, like... I've got to be understanding for them as well, because it changed me and i used to go out and be with my mates and it was just super like let's do stuff fun positive happy yeah. laughing giggling all the time all of us it's just who we were as friends so when that shifted uh-huh. and you had to start You're being a different
0: person yeah and yeah. that energy
1: that energy wasn't there for me at that time it's slowly coming back over the years um, and
0: people are scared when it's a bereavement they can't say the thing you want to hear they can't say the person mm-hmm. will come back there and everyone so exactly. some people just kind of avoid talking yeah. to you because they yeah. don't but I, I feel like you don't need people to come up with a solution
1: no it's, it's space and they understand I think they understood and they gave me space and all of them all of my close friends have let me know that they're there for me and mm-hmm. they've come to visit and pay visits mm-hmm. but there was throughout like last year I spent the whole time in my bedroom <laughs> apart from filming the documentary doing mm-hmm. a gig at Pride uh, for Technicolor one of the singles I released last year mm-hmm. Um and I did a BBC show at the end of the year, which is coming out in March, which I'm really looking forward to. Oh, it's that's a surprise. cool. What's that? Co-
0: oh, okay you can't yeah, say yet. Yeah. Okay, want to say
1: it. it's a surprise. Okay, but um, it's really good, and it was a really nice, positive, fun way to end mm-hmm. the year for me. That's good. But during that process, I was like freaking out a lot because I hadn't hadn't been out, I hadn't been doing anything apart from talking about grief that I didn't know how to communicate and socialize with peers. Yeah, I, and, I
0: get it. You just like, like, like have nothing else to give. Yeah, it's really exactly. random. And it's just, like, like I'm sorry,
1: but haven't been speaking and like, I'm shaking, talking to you mm-hmm. guys and doing what I was doing, participating in that show, being in that environment socially, you're just like, okay, one, I remember what real life's like again yeah. after being like recluse for a year. And being young and free. Mm-hmm. And-, and it's like, it sparks that joy in you again. And you remember, you remember what life is. Do you ever wonder how
0: celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? no. One thing I'm really glad um, that you did mention was antidepressants because in the social media movement, there is this great movement about acceptance, positivity. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, right, I feel like it can go the other way Mm -hmm. of like, oh, I've got to be really positive Mm because I'm an inspiration and I'm a role model. Mm -hmm. And it can sometimes wrongly add shame to things like, counseling meds you know there's some people if they don't take their meds mm-hmm. they could kill themselves kill mm-hmm. somebody else mm-hmm. and you know i saw an interview where you made this really good analogy like if you broke your leg you would mm-hmm. use a wheelchair or have it in plaster mm-hmm. so if you have genuine mental health problem that requires mm-hmm. treatment yeah you have treatment
1: you do for the period that you need it and like I didn't fully understand what antidepressants were until now as well. Yeah. Until actually having to do the research because I didn't want to jump into taking something that was going to affect my mood and affect everything without yeah. fully understanding what it was. And, like, when my doctor described it with this analogy, because that's how he said it, like, if yeah. you broke your leg, you need you need the plaster just to uh-huh. help you walk, just... And crutches. They're the, it's the crutches. It's yeah, everything. it's you your can, crutch, You yeah. can see you've got a broken leg. It's there. It, people will be careful of it. Like, But that's different with mental health. You can't see it, and you don't know instantly... Yeah. That you know, I might need to be careful around this person because mm-hmm. they're broken inside. Because that's what it is. And um, the antidepressants for me, what they did was cleared like the blackness that surrounded me during that period. And
0: how it's a personal question. I mm. have to answer it. But did it get to like self harm or suicidal thoughts? How how dark did you get?
1: I just I you know what like things. I feel like everybody get has a point in their life where they're just like, do you know what? This is too much. Mm. I can't do this anymore. I don't know if that's too much of a statement to make, actually, that everybody would think that, but because I've um, I've been around a lot of it my li- my whole life, mm-hmm. um, I've I've been witness to people who are uh, have attempted mm. to take their lives, um, mm-hmm. and it's been very close to me. Um, it's very real for you. Very real, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want to just say like I wanted to take my life because in the first instant when you have the initial thought. I always stop myself from, mm, from going mm-hmm. any further. Mm-hmm. But that initial thought was there. Mm. Um, my dad had it when he had his motorbike accident. Understandably. And it's just yeah. like when all you, when everything around you falls down like that, your job, your relationship, and to lose something mm-hmm. that's so precious to you and then having to deal with everything that's going on around it as well, the other people who are grieving in different mm. ways. Like, you don't see a way forward. Yeah, There is no clear right decision you're there's just, no like, way out exactly yeah. you're just looking for the next bit of joy and where wherever that can come from you you, you take it
0: is that why you did i mean the documentary bbc3 mm. learning to grieve mm. is, is that is that why you did the documentary then
1: yeah so how that happened initially is we went in and it wasn't written up we weren't going in to make a documentary mm-hmm. about what we did and i just sat down with the um with the commissioners and with the guys with the producers and. And they were just like, How 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 have you been? And it was just one question. Mm-hmm. And I just chatted and chatted and chatted yeah. and spoke to Well you're a good
0: talker, I could imagine <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. And I just yeah. told
1: them what I did what what had happened and it was just like, these are the facts. I was in the band the, my, my sexuality was a big thing for me. And then
0: It's like a film, What's Happened in Your Life. It's, it's been, like quite unbelievable. It's been
1: like I so it's so sometimes I take a step and I'm like, Whoa, the last mm. seven, eight years have just been so condensed and insanely busy and like life-changing in so many ways, but the doc was um, a way for me to be able to process it as well because I didn't know going into it what, what I was going to yeah. do and how what people were expecting next as well of, of me and in, in talking about it because I knew that whatever I did, people were going to want to talk about Harriet and I wasn't in a place where I knew how to talk right. about it. I didn't understand... The camera. What, exactly. And, yeah. I didn't know what was going on inside. I didn't understand these feelings. I was escaping and I was hiding away. Mm. Um But what doing the documentary did was it f- taught me so much mm-hmm. about what it means to grieve within a family and what it means to be selfish with mm-hmm. your grief and how important that is
0: and i and it's okay yeah. yeah and in
1: being selfish you're helping others because yeah. if you're okay then you can help others and i think that was the point it got to me where i, was, I wanted i hated the place that i was in so much and it wasn't just the grief that w- it was everything of like the the whole seven years as a build up of you know hiding Mm. and harriet was one person that i always told everything to so she knew i was gay instantly like she was she was my best friend and it's so annoying and like it hurt and i just it's not this is how i feel about it i just i have so much like emotion that's Mm -hmm. just locked up when it comes to my sister and
0: but this is why I love you. That, this is why I wanted you for the podcast. Because I hate yeah. the whole man up thing, right? It really mm, pisses me, me off. Yeah. yeah. And when you did your programme, I just admired you so much. Because I was just like, ironically, you spent all this time feeling like you couldn't be you. But you are so authentically you in that programme. And this man up phrase should not even exist. Mm. What does that even mean? Do you, you know, know
1: that like, man up thing is exactly the um, the fear that was... Being thrown on me before because I w- I watched the documentary and I could hear the the negative voices in my head saying you know you shouldn't be crying you should just be getting on get up and yeah. what are you doing on TV crying you know, ban up just uh, it's weird there's two characters in my life throughout my childhood that mm. have said stuff like that to me non stop about all the decisions I've made whether it's about my career or mm. like my sexuality and in seeing that and.
0: The voice was always bloody wrong, though, because yeah, you're a success. Exactly, and I've just
1: power. I've, this is the thing, and I've let it hold me back until now. And if I hadn't have been listening to those negative voices, mm. I it could have been different. But the, the the point I'm trying to make is I haven't, and I'm I'm here now talking about it, and I've, yes. I've processed it in a way that I can talk about it and use the use the sadness and the the, the hurt and the pain and channel it into passion and wanting to wanting to share what I learned through that process because it's so if I didn't learn yeah. that and if I hadn't have done that documentary Katie I don't know what position I'll be in now Right? because I would just I'd, be, agree. I'd yeah. be carrying on and Same. what it's done it's been able it, I found my voice in doing mm-hmm. it I know what it is I want to do going forward and who I want to help and that was the important part for me it was getting better so that I was able to help others.
0: So that's why I think you're such a good role model not just to young men and not just to um, young gay men I think to young girls to anyone that's listening to this podcast now who's wrestling with that mm. inner voice that self-doubt and putting themselves down constantly mm. hearing you say this I really hate that lifts something for people what? who are listening.
1: What does it even mean to man up anyway? Like <sighs> it's such what?
0: bullshit, it really is. What? It annoys <laughs> Woman me. So, up, man. yeah, exactly. What does that even mean? Um, you've been really open about everything, and um, you talked about color therapy and yeah. meditation. Yeah, I love it. Tell me about color therapy and meditation.
1: So color therapy is very—it's it's a scientific side to it. Like I'm—I love—I love science, but.
0: Okay, this is your geeky side this coming up. This is my out. geeky okay. side. <laughs> Brian <Cox's> <laughs> side.
1: <laughs> Basically, every colour has a different vibration, a different wavelength, mm-hmm. and those wavelengths can affect your body and your energies in different ways. Right. They actually use it medically. So like when babies are born with jaundice, they put them under a blue light, and there's mm-hmm. nothing more than a blue light to balance out what's going on with the baby. My
0: baby went under that light. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah I yeah. saw that, yeah. So um, what colour therapy was for me is when and when I started using it, whatever feeling I was going through, whatever that day was saying to me, if the day's saying, you know, sit down and don't do anything all day. Black day, Yeah, it's a black day, it's dark. You use different colours to affect and influence your decisions and your your energy levels, basically. So I was using a lot of... um, Orange and green because green is um, new life, new re- rebirth. Okay. Uh, and orange was creativity. And my bedroom, what I did was decked it out fully with orange and green, oh, wow, and I that's turned it cool. into my studio space. And I basically wrote, base. It's like an it's half an album at the moment, probably three courses. Okay. But I just started writing and writing and writing and using the space to create and let go and using color. And then it's shifted to like yellow, which is obviously the happiest color mm-hmm. for joy and.
0: And it really worked it, it really, for you. Really, it helped really you worked. create your work. Exactly. And your mindset changed.
1: I did, I did a video called, a uh, set of videos called Window into Mind, and mm-hmm. I used colour in them dramatically because I wanted to convey what it was like in my mm-hmm. head, what yeah. was going on in my mind yeah. through colour and through sound and through visuals.
0: So cool. Where it comes
1: from, one of the first days that I saw a sunrise. Mm-hmm. Right. It was like back end of 2017. Mm hmm. And it was like the first time I'd seen color for a mm-hmm. really long time. Oh, and it was that
0: analogy gorgeous! It
1: was after the antidepressants mm-hmm. started kicking in. I started taking antidepressants at the end of summer, and everything cleared in my mind. So that I chemical saw, balance. I saw yeah. the. I saw all the colors out the window. It was the effect that all those that that moment had for me, and the colors that I saw out the window. I took mm-hmm. a picture of it, and I've, I've I've posted it as well. It was beautiful.
0: You're so articulate, you're so wise, and you've been. Really? You are, you really <laughs> I'm are. I'm not. <laughs> but I feel like when I talk to you, I'm talking to a therapist. Really? Because you ha- you've got a lot of knowledge. Um, are you still in therapy now?
1: Yeah. If I'm working, if I'm filming shows, and like, you know, when you. When you watch these TV shows, it's easy, easy to forget that there is a crew of like 50 people around you. It's intense. It's intense. And people are shouting and it's like, go, 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 go. Yeah. When you've been in your bedroom, painting quietly. Yes. (laughs) Getting through. Quite
0: a contrast. Exactly. And
1: like making music and just being chilled. Like it's a crazy, crazy contrast. So I, I was seeing my therapist through that and depending on what work I'm doing and where I am in, in life I I I need to see my therapist because yeah. otherwise I can't get through it and I just process it properly. Do you think that is what it properly? is then? You
0: know like some people think like oh crazy people see a therapist or when something goes wrong they see it. Do you think no. it's something we should dip in and out of all yeah, the time?
1: Yeah. 100%. It's like when you're when you're poorly you take multivitamins. Yeah. Like yeah. you you you'll have a week but of taking But you even Barocca. take them before,
0: when you're not poorly to prevent it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So
1: you, it's there's it, there's so many ways of looking at it. Yeah. Um like as you're kind of getting to know, I just chat loads and I talk to him about everything and he helps me put things into perspective. So when I'm talking, I'm talking in from a place of, I've learned so much from him.
0: It's a strength to be able to talk openly, mm. though. It's a big strength.
1: Well, I just, you know what? I grew up in a family where it was my mum and my sister. Yeah. And we were just, like, emotions all like all on the table. Yeah, can well, that's good. We can't hide them. And yeah. I've never really been in a world or a society or a family where mental health has been a negative thing.
0: Right. Well, that's um, excellent. Because mom, yeah. we've
1: always spoken about it. It's always been in, within my family. A few members of my mm. family, including myself, have suffered with our mental health throughout the years. And... um. You know, different vices have been used to to escape, and
0: understandably, yeah. So
1: that's kind of, I was able to take a step back and learn from mistakes that I've witnessed throughout my life, yeah. And um,
0: I think actually, well, to end the podcast, I wanted to kind of ask you, like, you know, your piece of advice, your life lesson to people, and I suppose at this point in the record, we should remind everyone that's listening: you're twenty five.
1: Yeah. like so anyone
0: that's listening right Don't sound older. <laughs> well it's just everything you've been through everything you've dealt with all your successes all yeah, your losses yeah. all the acceptance like you know if I kind of listen to this halfway through I think you were like 40 he doesn't look 40 okay we'll put a picture up but um <laughs> you know I I'm getting
1: wrinkles all this well, crying and this... yeah, because I'm either laughing or crying it's there's your life
0: between. story your wrinkles tell your story and, <laughs> and it's an incredible story and we've been lucky enough to, to hear it today so I I suppose rather than saying what's your life lesson, you know, what would you tell your younger self? You've got so much hindsight now of knowing mm-hmm. so many things. You know, what would you say to the to the younger George, knowing what you know now and what's happened?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. It's, I hate it him. people ask me a that good question. Question, actually, no, it's, it's hard, such a good question. But... Do you know why? Because I I just imagined introducing myself to younger me, mm. and I think he'd be in shock. Like, I think mm. he'd be scared because yeah. he wouldn't know. How did he get to that point? Mm-hmm. You know how how did he accept it? You know he worked it out, but whoa, there's a lot of stuff to come, and I can imagine because I know me, I know how panicky I will be yeah. seeing me now. Yeah, and like, how are you holding up? How how are you dealing with all of that? Because younger me, the thought of losing my sister, the thought of losing anybody close to me, was my biggest fear growing up. Like because yeah. my family is so so close and. Honestly, when, when I got the news, I thought it was kind of the end for me, end of my career, mm. end of my happiness in life, because she was a very big, like, source of happiness for me. Mm-hmm. And I was for her and it's it's the future you're missing in the future that they, they, they're going to not have. And, mm. you know, I got to a point where I was feeling guilty of living because yeah. I didn't. I felt like Harriet should be having this, and she was such a youth. They may have thoughts like she's she was so much more intelligent than me, and like she had so much more to give. She was a midwife; she was delivering babies. She was mm-hmm. like so precious to mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. like. And you have those thoughts of like, why couldn't it have been a different way? And like,
0: but guilt is I part feel of guilt. grief. Yeah, it's exactly. Place guilt. Yeah,
1: exactly. So little me, don't feel guilty about who you are. Like, mm-hmm. embrace everything. And do you know what? Don't panic. Yes, that's a good panic. one. Yeah. There's nothing to worry really don't, about. Yeah. And like I'm very um quick to panic and catastrophize, like we said mm-hmm. earlier, and dramatize things in my head because yeah. I think the uh I just react to things because I think the outcome's gonna always be the worst. Worse
0: than it really is. Exactly. Yeah, it goes back um, to that overthinking. Yeah. Yeah. So if we want to see any more bits from you, we should hold out for BBC. We've yeah, got a programme coming up. Stick
1: out. around on BBC. Okay. Um, there's a really nice, happy, positive. Do you know what, because this year... You are
0: really happy and positive. That's this, this what year, you are. This is what it, yeah. I want
1: it to be for me, because it's who I've always been, it's yeah. who I am. And last year, I needed to do what I did to be able to almost, you know, step past it and yeah. go, That I've now compartmentalised it in my my mind. That and has move a box, forward. and I can visit that box whenever I want, and yeah. it's organised.
0: Excellent. And I can
1: talk about it in a way that's not going to make me break down and cry, because there have been yeah. moments throughout this interview where I've just wanted to, like, my hands shake, and but I'm just like... That's okay. Ah! and it is okay and like the show that's coming out in march is all about positivity and having a creative outlet to process these these inner turmoils yeah and And you're still
0: making your music as well exactly still making music i've got
1: a really good plan for the end of the year i'm taking my time with it because i've got one song that i wrote um i played it a little bit in the documentary on guitar yeah and it was the first song i wrote after losing my sister and it was um it helped me through that period it helped me figure out what I was doing with the documentary, how I was using my creativity to channel it.
0: So lots of depth in your music. Exactly. Yeah. So I want
1: this next song to be right for me and do it justice. And I want to be ready for it because I could release it now, but I just want it yeah, to be like, be
0: right. yeah, be right. No more being pressurised. Exactly. To doing no no worrying, is, no panicking. Yeah, I'm just no. taking
1: things with ease and, and taking each day as it comes with lots of breathing and lots of friends. And do you know what? Just being able to, identify the, where the negativity and the, yeah. the dark energies come from in life and shut them out and, be and it shows
0: to... you have positive you have yeah. a good aura you have positive yeah. energy it really shows thank
1: you I think two 2011... so lo- oh, I've absolutely had the best <laughs> time I love it I have too.
0: we should make this a weekly thing yeah, I know. can you be my therapist <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we'll just do therapy together I love it oh, thank you so much we're thank so you, lucky to have had you on the podcast oh, thank you you are truly extraordinary for so many different reasons you. Oh, thank you people are going to get so much from this episode so thank <laughs> you making the time to to thank you guys for
1: listening thank you
0: everybody thanks for listening to katie piper's extraordinary people if you haven't already please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts if you enjoyed this please help us spread the word rate and review the show where you got this or share on socials